0: Thank you for watching today. I pray that the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with pastor's notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app where you can also submit a prayer request. And I wanna encourage you to contact us if you are in need of prayer. Today, we're continuing the Law of Faith The message is all about our unbelief and how to overcome. Pastor will give us some reasons why we have doubts in our hearts, but how to overcome them and fix our unbelief. Let's check it out.
1: Open your Bibles, please, to Mark chapter 11. And now we're going to continue, really, where we left off last week. Um, Just a a couple of, of comments you know, Jesus taught us to pray, Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, you look in Revelation and you find out what the kingdom looks like. It says that when, when we get to heaven, you know what the kingdom's going to be looking like? It's going to be people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every ethnos, every ethnic group. That's the kingdom, all together, children of God. Now, in the world, we're going to keep seeing a mess. Jesus actually said a sign of the end would be that ethnos would rise against ethnos. So we will, we will continue to see stuff in the world, but it surely should never be like that in the kingdom. Your will be done on earth. Say we should be bringing it, demonstrating what the real kingdom looks like. And uh, I'm so glad that Ken said what he said. But now Mark 11, verse 23. Assuredly, other translations say, verily, I say unto you that whosoever will say to this mountain. Now Jesus is teaching his disciples on the subject of faith. He said, the first thing Jesus said about faith, he said to say to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. And notice what he says then, and does not doubt in his heart. And doesn't doubt in his heart. You've got to believe what you say. And, and by the way, that's why it's important that you say what you believe. That, that you don't tell somebody you're going to be there at 7 and show up at 730. That you're going to pay your bill on time and you don't. Because what happens on the inside, you stop believing what you say. So so we've got to be people of our word. He says, but does not doubt in his heart. So you could have some faith, but at the same time, be doubting. And if you're doubting when you have faith, nothing's going to happen. But believe that those things that he says will come to pass. He'll have whatsoever he saith. When Jesus goes to Nazareth, his hometown... Mark's gospel says he could there do no mighty work. Mark chapter six, he could do no mighty work. And then it says, because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief. And so Jesus, who is literally God in the flesh, but he's ministering as a man, anointed by the Holy Ghost, 100% in faith, could do no mighty work. Didn't say he didn't want to. It says he could not. Because of unbelief. Unbelief kept him out. And then Jesus is up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James and John as he comes down. There's a man who has brought to Jesus' disciples, uh, his son, who, if we look at what happened, it was probably some sort of an epi- some sort of epileptic, episodes that were happening in his life. And the disciples tried to minister to this boy, but they were unable to bring relief, to bring healing, to bring deliverance. So when Jesus comes down and says, what's going on? This man is the first one to speak. And he says, Jesus, I brought my son to your disciples, but they were unable to help. Now, if you can do anything, please have mercy on us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who who believes. Now, Now, notice what Jesus didn't do. He didn't take all the responsibility himself. He said, sir, you need to do some believing. And so often we're trying to throw everything off on God and say, God, well, if it's just your will, then just do it. But the truth is, if you don't believe, something is not going to be happening. So Jesus said, if you can believe, and the man said, I do believe, help thou my unbelief. So what that shows us is that it is possible to believe and have unbelief at the same time. So today I want to really talk to you about uprooting that unbelief. How do we uproot the unbelief? So Jesus ministers to the boy, and he's healed. He's delivered. And the disciples come to Jesus, and they said, why were we not able to deliver him? And Jesus gives them a, 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 an explanation. But what he said was this. He said, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. Now, I don't think he's talking about this kind of, of a demon, I don't think there's any demons that when you say in Jesus' name go, no, I'm not coming out, but it's this kind of unbelief, you know, that unbelief has to come out, and Jesus mentions here prayer and fasting, so I want to talk to you today about uprooting unbelief, and where does it come from, and what are the kinds of unbelief? The first kind that I want to mention is simply the kind that we're taught. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 7 and verse 13, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down in many such things you do. Jesus said, look, the Bible actually teaches one thing, but our traditions teach us something else. If uh, if you have a blackboard and there's writing on it, and you want to put something on the blackboard, the first thing you have to do is erase what's already there, right? And then you can put something new and fresh on the blackboard. And and sometimes I actually envy people who knew nothing about God when they come to God. Because I learned a lot of good things about God before I became a Christian. But I also picked up a lot of tradition, a lot of unbelief that actually hindered me. I had to pull up all the unbelief, all of the tradition in order to finally put down what the word of God said. Uh, One of the things that that in my my, uh, spiritual pedigree, they taught, uh, they taught, for example, that when you prayed for somebody to be healed, uh, that we, we did not anoint with oil like in the Bible. We didn't have people pray over somebody. Uh, we had a, a board in the back of the church and we pinned their name on it, what they had. And we, we, we would pray, and if we would pray for healing, we would go and, if it be thy will, if it be thy will, heal them. Well, let me just say, that's like having a badge that says, I don't believe. It's a badge of unbelief. God already told us what his will is. You say, what's his will? His will is his word. He says, I've magnified my word above all my name. Psalms 138, verse two. He said, I've magnified my word above all my name. God is saying, if I don't keep my word, if I don't do what I have said, I'm not God. You know, the scientists tell us when they they look at an atom and everything that's in there, they cannot figure out why the thing just doesn't take off and just kind of fall apart, explode even. But the Bible tells us that he holds all things together by the word of his power. In other words, if God did not do what he said, It's like the universe would simply explode. So many of us have been taught wrong because we weren't taught what the Bible said. We were taught traditions of men. So when Jesus found that unbelief, the Bible tells us, listen, the Bible tells us what God does and he watches his word to perform it. In Mark 16, it says, they, that's the apostles, went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word. What does he confirm? The word with signs following. People say, well, you never know what God's going to do. God is not schizophrenic. God does not have bad Mondays. and He's not mad on Tuesday. God is going to do exactly what he said in his word that he would do. Psalms 89, verse 34, my covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that is gone out of my lips. See, because of some of our traditions, the traditions I was brought up with, we were were taught that God had planned everything that happened and everything that happened was God's will. I mean, we were fanatical. Uh, It was so bad that if we would fall down the stairs, We'd get up and we'd go, I'm glad that's done with. Because we thought God had planned for us to fall down the stairs before the creation of the world. And that everything that happened was the will of God. And so we were very passive. Well, God, you know, if you want to heal, heal. And if you don't, don't. We were passive. But the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. The Bible does not teach a passive Christianity. It teaches a Christianity that is militant. Jesus said the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And if we have that passiveness in us, we're never going to be resisting. If we think everything that happens is God's will, we're never going to be resisting. In Acts 10, 38, it says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. In Hebrews, speaking of Jesus, it says, I have come to do thy will, O God. Think about this. Every person Jesus healed, it was God's will to heal him. And there were even people that he wanted to heal that did not get healed. You say, where does it say that? He could there, do no mighty work. In the Psalms it says they limited the Holy One of Israel. God wanted to do more for them, but he could not because of their unbelief. And that can happen to you and to me. So sometimes our traditions get in the way. So when Jesus is at Nazareth, He could there do no mighty work. It says he marveled because of their unbelief. And listen, here's the the cure. And he went about their villages in a circuit teaching. Went about their villages in a circuit teaching. You see, they had been taught traditions. So what Jesus did is he came and taught the word of God. The way that we erase what's wrong on our blackboard of theology. Is by receiving instruction from the Word of God. That's how Jesus handled it. He went about teaching in order to uproot that unbelief. Other times, we are simply ignorant. The Bible says in Hosea 4 in verse 6, it says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. We're destroyed for a lack of of knowledge. We simply don't know what the Bible says. So many of us, the only time we ever hear the Bible is when we're in church and we know so little of it. I'm amazed that there's Christians that have been Christians for a decade and they've never even read the entire word of God. God's word is God's will. And the way that we're going to be able to combat ignorance if we have got to get into the Word of God. We've got to study the Word of God. It's amazing to me that when somebody, so often when somebody gets diagnosed, they go to the hospital and the, the doctors say, well, you know, it appears that this is the problem. You go home, you get on the Internet. You read every article. You know everything about the disease. You know how long you're, you're, you're expected to have it, what the symptoms are going to be how it's going to affect you long-term. You know everything about it, but you don't know anything about what God says about it. You're, we're, we're ignorant about what God says about healing, about what God says in his word concerning our lives. Then the third type of unbelief that I want to mention is, is I would just call this natural unbelief because of what we see. Because of the, the, we, we, we're looking, we're seeing what's happening, and because we're looking and we're seeing what happens to, to people around us, we form a theology based on what we see. It kind of works something like this. We get 10 people and we pray for 10 people, and two of them get healed and eight don't. And so we say it was God's will to heal 20% of the time, because that's what we saw. And we form our theology based on experience. We have experiential theology instead of biblical theology. Because I'm going to talk about this in a moment, but very often we do not receive what God has for us. That's why the Bible says they limited the Holy One of Israel. God wanted to do more, but their unbelief kept him out. Uh, I have a friend who's, who's ministered here for over 30 years, his name's Andrew Walmack. Andrew tells this story. He said he was preaching and there was a man in a wheelchair. He said, uh, he, he just like, he said, I just felt like I had faith. He, he like almost like leaps off the platform, goes down, takes the guy, yanks him up and said, be healed and walk in Jesus' name. And the guy fell down. He said, he said, I just felt terrible. He said, I I picked the guy up, and I put him back in his wheelchair, and I apologized, and he said, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Now, he says, you could tell me I didn't have faith. He said, but I'm telling you I had faith. He said, you don't, like, jump off a platform and pull somebody out of a wheelchair if you don't have any faith. He said, I had some faith. Then he tells a story about Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth, for those of you who do not know, was actually called the Apostle of Faith. Uh, Had a tremendous ministry in healing. uh, Had revival literally on every inhabited continent, wherever he went. He had a a practice where most of the time he would start his meetings by saying, the Bible says that Jesus began to do and then teach. He says, so I'm going to start by doing and the first person who gets to the platform will be healed. Well, some ladies knew that's how he typically started his meeting, and they positioned themselves with a friend who had a massive tumor, and two ladies hauled her up onto the platform. And uh, she couldn't stand up, and one is on each side, and Smith is in front, and he looks at the woman, and And he says to the two ladies on the side, let her go. And they let her go and she falls flat. He said, pick her up. And they said, well, well, she can't walk. He he said, pick her up. Now, let her go. And they said, but she can't walk. He said, I said, let her go. They let her go and she falls flat again. The audience is just like, like, ah. One guy yells out, you brute, you brute. And he says, shut up. He said, I know my business. Pick her up, but she can't pick her up. Let her go, but she'll fall, let her go. They let her go and the tumor literally fell off and she walked off. Now, Andrew made this point he said, when it didn't work the first time, he said, what I saw affected me. What I saw affected me. And so often what we see affects us. worth he just didn't have any doubt. He didn't care what he saw. He said, this is what I know. This is what I know. So that this type of unbelief is based on what we have seen. I wanna give you an example of this in the Bible. It's one that most of you know. The children of Israel have come out of the the, uh, captivity of Egypt. They've come to the edge of the promised land. Moses sends 12 spies in to go and spy out the land and see where the cities are and how rich the land is and how many people there are. And they came back and they said, truly, The land where you sent us, it flows with milk and honey. And they said, this is its fruit. They had some grapes and some pomegranates. It says, nevertheless, the people dwell in the land. They're strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea on the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for well, we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go against the people for they're stronger than we are. They gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out saying, the land through which we have gone to spies is the land that devoured its inhabitants. And all the people we saw there are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in their sight. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we died in the wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? So then Joshua and Caleb said again, they said to the congregation of the children of Israel, the land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he'll bring us into the land. And give us the land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor feel the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection is departed from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregations said, said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared at the tabernacle. And God said, as they spoken in my hearing, so I will do to them. They said it'd be better to die in the desert. So God said, every one of you, you're going to die in the desert. But he said, but Caleb, my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has fully followed me, I will bring into the land where he went and he, should, he and his descendants will inherit it. So there's two million Israelites. Two million said we cannot go in and none of them did. Two out of the two million said let us go in at once and take possession. Those two are the only two out of two million that went in. Did God want the two million to die in the desert? No. No. But their unbelief kept them from what God had for them. And so here's what I want. This this is what God has spoken to me so many times from this. Don't look at what happened to other people. Look at my promise. Look at what I said to you. Because there's going to be a lot of people that don't receive all that God has for them. We're gonna limit God through our unbelief. But that doesn't mean that it wasn't God's will. Not everybody is gonna receive God's best. I've heard so many times, well, what about Aunt Mary? What about this person? What about that person? I don't know their situation. But God said he's magnified his word above all his name. But he'll confirm his word with signs following, that he watches over his word to perform it. Another type of unbelief, simply a refusal to believe. Jesus arose from the dead. There were guards there. And when the angel came down and there was an earthquake and they saw the angel and Jesus coming out of the tomb, they fell down like dead men. They went in and they reported to the high priest and the Sanhedrin. And they said, an angel came down, rolled the stone, he walked out, he's alive. And they said, here's some money. Go and tell people you were sleeping. And his disciples stole his body. Sometimes unbelief is a choice. And sometimes it's a choice because we don't want to be responsible to God. In my opinion, Many times, people believe in evolution because they choose evolution. Because if they chose anything else, it would mean there's a creator, and the Bible says he is the judge of all. It says that there is an eternal judgment. You know, what people want to do is we want to choose what's right for us, we want to choose what's wrong for us. Go way back to the Garden, Garden of Eden. Satan came and tempts Adam and Eve and basically says, look, you can choose what's right for you. You can decide what's right, what's wrong. Most of the time, in my opinion, that's the reason why people choose to believe in evolution. Um, other times it's it's pretty simple. I've, I've had I've, I've talked with people, and this is literally what they said: Well, I really don't care what the Bible says. This is what I believe. You know, you're choosing, you're choosing. There is a refusal to believe a refusal and other times it's through disobedience we, we, we simply refuse to act on what God has said. First Peter 2:8 the stone of stumbling, a rock of offense they stumbled being disobedient to the word. disobedient to the word to which they were appointed. God wanted them to obey but because they refused. Another type of unbelief that comes in is when at one time we had made progress and we believed, but we back up. And I just call this forgetting. Let me just talk to you for a couple minutes about this. Psalm 78, how often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. God wanted to do so much more, but they limited the Holy One of Israel through their doubt, their unbelief, their lack of faith. Now listen to what it says. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from Egypt, when he worked his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zoran, turning the rivers to blood, their streams that they could not drink. He sent swarms of flies among them, which devoured them, and frogs, which destroyed them. He also gave their crops to caterpillars and their labors to locusts. He destroyed their vines with hail and their sycamore trees with frost. He also gave up their cattle to the hail and their flocks to fiery lightning. He cast on them the fierceness of his anger, wrath, indignation, and trouble by sending angels of destruction among them. Now, What it's saying is these people were in Egypt, they saw everything that God did, but yet they get out into the wilderness and they totally forget how God had delivered them all the miraculous things that he had done in the past. They forgot. And because they forgot what God had done, God in their minds, literally his abilities begin to shrink instead of grow. David said, I will magnify the Lord with thanksgiving. They should have been being thankful for all that they have seen, had seen and remembered it. The Bible says this in Revelation 19 verse 10, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now you say, what does that mean? That means the testimonies of what Jesus has already done are a prophecy about what he wants to do again. What he has done, he wants to do again. In Psalms 119, your testimonies I have taken as my heritage forever. What does that mean? That means all the testimonies, you look in your Bible, everything that you see he's done, everything he's done for people around you, what those things are, they said they are our heritage. They belong to us. They're a sign of what he has done and what he will do today. Psalms 119, 11, I have inherited your testimonies forever. I have inherited your testimonies. All of those things that he has done, they belong to us. They're supposed to ignite faith on the inside of us. All the stories in the Bible, all the testimonies that you hear, all of your stories, every one of those belongs to you. They are something that your father your God has done and will do. The root word for testimony in Hebrew literally means do again. Do again. What God has done, he wants to do again. Heal again, save again, deliver again, miracles again, provision again, favor again, safety again. And literally they are supposed to create faith and expectancy on the inside of us. And I really believe this that testimonies release an anointing. When you hear a testimony, there is an anointing to do the same thing. Uh, Randy Clark has been used of God tremendously in the area of miracles. And one of the things that he says, he says, even going into a new place, he said, I'd like to even just show a video of a testimony. And he says, and if I'm doing a service, And I've been there before, I bring people forward that have been healed before. And he says, what it does is it releases an anointing in the place for that thing to happen again. In fact, Moses instructed Israel to rehearse the testimonies. Joshua had them put up memorial stones so they could tell their children what God had already done. Psalm 78, for he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments." You know, our expectation of what God is going to do determines our level of faith. Our expectation of what God is going to do. See, it's so often we're backing off. We're backing off. But what we need to do, if we need to recount them, we need to remember them and realize what he did, he wants to do again. And that when we see these testimonies and hear these testimonies, it literally releases an anointing to receive what has already been done. Psalm 78 and verse nine, let me close with this. The children of Ephraim being armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. Now the children of Israel were, were in a tremendous fight. This is uh, when Deborah was leading with Barak and they had called these, the children of Ephraim to the battle. And it says they were armed, they had bows, but they turned back. And they didn't keep the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders, which he had shown them. Why did they turn back and not participate, not receive what God had for them? Because they forgot his works and his wonders. So they sat back. They did nothing. You know, we can do the same thing. We can do nothing. We can stop praying, stop sharing. We can be passive. We can just kind of sit back and let others do something. But that's not God's will. God's will is we remember his testimonies. And when we forget what he's already done, we end up like the children of Israel so often in unbelief and limiting the Holy One of Israel. So would you bow your heads for just a moment, please? In a a group of of this size, there's people in all sorts of spiritual conditions. Some of you have lived for God for years, others of you, you're away from the Lord. Some of you, you've never, never given your life to God. You know, our, our culture believes that good people go to heaven, but the Bible teaches that it is forgiven people that go to heaven. And that's why Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. My ways will never make me right with God and your ways could never make you right with God. Jesus said he is the way. And he said, you must be born again. That means you need to give him all of your heart and all of your life. He is not a thief to steal it. He's not a manipulator to trick you. But if you haven't given Jesus all of your heart and all of your life, you still have it. And you must be born again. You need to give him all of your heart and all of your life. And if you're away from God, not right with God, I'm gonna invite you, pray this prayer with me right now. Would everyone here, would you you pray this out loud with us? Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm gonna live for him every day. I thank you, you've heard my prayer that my past is gone, that I'm a part of your family, today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Duane from your heart, God heard your prayer. Congrats on making one of the best decisions of your life. Pastor Duane has written a book full of bullet points to help you continue to grow spiritually. We wanna give you this book free of charge. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this book be mailed to you. Or you can download it right there instantly. Plus, it's also available on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Today's program is available on Roku and Amazon Fire TV by searching Walking by Faith. Or you can check out our app where you can download any message for easy offline listening. If you are in need of prayer or God is doing amazing things in your life, we would love to connect with you. Contact us by phone, email, or through our app. You can also find us on your favorite social platform by searching WBF TV.